Hi, I'm Natasha Taylor and this is Open Classrooms, a podcast series produced by the Academic Development Group in Science, Engineering and Health at RMIT. In each episode of Open Classrooms, we talk to a member of staff who's trying out something new or interesting in their teaching. And our guest for episode 24 is Cameron Stanley from the School of Engineering. Cameron's been doing some excellent work with podcasting to bring an industry voice into his course. And it's a real pleasure to speak to him today about that subject and those activities. So, hey, Cameron. Hey, Natasha. How are you going? I'm doing really good, thank you. This is our first attempt at um, podcasting and recording out of the studio. Of course, we're all based at home. So um, thanks for tuning in and um, I'm really looking forward to hearing about the work you're doing. Start us off by telling us about your course and a bit about you and um, sort of what you do. Yeah, sure, no worries. Um, so I guess my I'm I'm in the school of engineering and in basically the discipline of mechanical engineering, um, and I lecture a course called Energy Efficiency and Demand Management, and that sits within the Masters of Engineering Sustainable Energy program. Great. And um, have you been doing that for long? Are you new to new to RMIT, or where where did you come from? Um, yeah, so I joined RMIT in 2013 as a research fellow uh, and then commenced lecturing this program um, in semester one, 2017. So it's um, going on four years now. Oh, great. So you've got some experience with the students who are studying the course. What would you say were some of the challenges they find in studying your topics and your courses in particular? So the students in my course are reasonably um disparate background. Um, I find that I'm quite lucky in that the students that are studying energy efficiency um, tend to have a real genuine care for um, sustainability and, and they tend to be doing their master's program because they actually often want to reskill from coming from a different engineering background. Mostly they tend to be either a chemical or mechanical engineering background but we also often cater for students that are We'll write out in different areas um, of science or engineering, um, but they do have this common thread that they're very, very passionate and hardworking because they tend to be really driven by wanting to often change careers and get a job in sustainability. That makes it easy from my side being um, the lecturer in that program because they're keen to engage and keen to learn. So one of the challenges I guess that they face is because they're coming from a different background, they're, they're probably trying to find work-ready experience in this new field and and that would be the thing I would say they most uh, are most challenged by generally. Not, not so much the material itself, it's more just this desire to get skills in this new area. Sure, and it's, it's making the links to the real world then and, and ensuring that what they're doing in their studies is authentic and that actually helps them when they come out the other side and um, go into the workplace. Yeah, that's right, and that's something that I really try to uh, try to push in in the material that I teach. Um, energy efficiency itself is quite a broad topic. Um, we cover subjects all the way from kind of commercial buildings and residential space, um, policy, uh, specific technologies in that field. Um, and obviously also in the demand management side and looking at the consumer um, side of energy consumption as well. Um, so it's, it's quite a really broad field and we try to, I try to, where possible, weave in, um, I guess, a real world element and, and get some um, a real industry focus there for students. Okay, so that 
leads us nicely onto your podcast series and the way you use podcasts. So how did, tell us the story of that. How did you end up um, exploring this as a teaching approach? Yeah, sure. So I guess this is something that I eventuated early this year in 2020. So it came about because over the past few years, I've since I took over in 2017, the course is probably uh, not running so well at that point um, was the feedback from students. Um, and there was a few things that we really wanted to change and restructure. Um, so one of those was to really weave through some industry expertise in the delivery of material. So I've tried to um, get experts to come in and give lectures. However, the challenge there was that there was a, obviously a budget pressure around having um, casual casuals in terms of paid lecturing time. Um, and also, it presents a bit of a challenge in terms of scheduling the course. There's a certain structure for delivery of the material that I like to have in terms of giving them the background information that they need early on and, and building upon that material so they're ready for assessment tasks and, and, and that kind of thing. And it means that you can't always just um, work around an expert's diary and when they're available in terms of shuffling lectures. So I found it a little bit challenging. Um, and then early or late last year, early this year, we, we kind of got notification that the casual teaching budget was going to be reduced again. And I kind of saw the writing on the wall here and thought, look, one way to perhaps get around it was to instead of engaging experts to come in and deliver material in front of students in real time, I could record something like a podcast series where I just go and talk to them um, in their own time or whenever it suits and then have this as kind of supplementary material that was made available to the students. My aim there was to really kind of cover the broad spectrum of topics in energy efficiency and demand management and also kind of build up slowly and build a catalogue, I guess, of material which could be reused again and again um, mm. without that onerous, uh, uh, I guess, imposition of having to schedule things with them. So that's yeah. why, I, why I set out to do this, yeah. Oh, that sounds great. So how how does it work practically? You go out to them, which is really smart. Um, what equipment do you need to take with you and how do you set that up? This, the recording side of this has been really easy. Um, and basically, I followed the guidance of what you guys are doing here from the open classrooms. And I spoke with Lisa and said, look, I've got this idea of going to record conversations with experts across the field. And she recommended I did it in the format of a podcast. So um, I've got no experience in this and it's been first time I've ever done it so I can hand on heart say it's been the actual recording side has been made very very simple because of uh, the press play studios that are available to all RMIT academics down in building eight basically all you do is you just book in a time online for that studio and they'll have a number of staff that come along and will help you set up and learn how to use it but basically it's it's dead easy Um, you can connect your phone via bluetooth so you can just have a phone conversation with somebody on the other end and it it is recorded through the studio and then the microphones and things are obviously just really high quality so you tend to get uh you know good quality audio and and it makes it really simple um so that's basically the nuts and bolts of how it's how it's happened Great. So, so you're actually connecting to them by phone rather than having them in the studio. So that gives you even more flexibility in um, terms of diaries and, and getting that set up then. Yeah, I was probably not as um, clear as I should have been there. So um, my intention was to have face-to-face chats wherever possible. But because the ultimate goal for me was to kind of cherry pick experts from across my field, 
that obviously doesn't always um, can't always happen. So I probably end up conducting about 50-50 with face-to-face interviews in the studio from people within Melbourne, um, and the other half would have been uh, over the phone from you know either Sydney or Canberra or wherever they happen to be, even in India. So yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And I know firsthand it's quite difficult, isn't it, managing those different um, scenarios and environments. I'm finding now um, communicating and meeting and connecting with people online via via video is a very different experience to having them a metre away or even two metres away in the studio. It's it's really interesting and it really develops your skills. It does and it presents issues um, where once you remove the visual cues from having someone sitting in front of you, um, I guess for someone who's not as experienced with conducting these interviews like myself, you know, I had to try really hard to keep it flowing smoothly and, and not, you know, it has a tendency to become more clunky depending on the person on the other end and if they're kind of happy to fill gaps with conversation or if they're, you know, a little bit nervous. Um, whereas if you have them sitting in front of you, um, those experiences tended to be far more fluent. What do you get your interviewees to talk about? When I say that to do this, I, I've got to admit that I don't really even listen to that many podcasts. Um, not because I don't want to, I just don't have a huge amount of time. But <laughs> so I had to go and ask a few uh, friends and colleagues some advice and say, listen, I want, this is my idea. What do you recommend? I got some really good advice from um, a few people, and that said basically keep it simple. You know, try not to script too many questions um, because. You know, you can end up railroading a conversation and, and you lose that natural flow or um, you, you, know, you kind of um, pigeonhole things down to a certain flow rather than letting letting the conversation just naturally evolve and, and maybe cover some material that you weren't expecting to, but it's really good. So they said, look, just keep it simple um, and let the expert introduce themselves and tell us a bit about their story and try to tease out why it is that they're passionate about this and what got them into the subject in the first place. So I tried to do that as a lead off and then obviously each of the people I wanted to talk to for a certain reason. So I generally would just find four or five talking points within their certain niche field um, and then try to bring those up as naturally as possible. But the other really good piece of advice I was given was uh, listen. You know, so you're talking to someone on the other end. Most important thing is to just actually shut up and don't look at your notebook and things and actually listen to what they're saying because then you'll be asking natural questions anyway. So I tried to do that and weave it together and hopefully it worked out all right. I think that's good advice and, and one of the things I find um, particularly good in the in the press play studio is that it is literally one button that you press to hit record and stop. So there isn't the distraction. You don't have to think about the equipment and the screens and things. You can just properly talk and listen to that person. It's a, a really good environment to be in, isn't it? Yeah, I'd agree. I'd, I'd certainly agree with that. I mean, once I got over that initial learning experience, which literally took 10 minutes, um, um, you know, the, the guys come down and show you how to plug things in and it's done. Um, it's very easy to use, very easy to book. And the recording side of things was definitely the easy part. Um, it's it's what happens after that that perhaps takes a little bit longer. Go on then, talk us through that very quickly. <laughs> the editing has just been a little bit more time consuming and uh, more so than editing, um, the experts that I spoke to, a lot, of, a lot of them were very interested in perhaps having that material 
available for them to share with their broader audiences. Um, so most of the time, I'm more than happy for that to happen. Um, my primary audience here always intended to be my students, my students, sorry, within the, the course I teach. Um, but, you know, if anyone's going to get something useful out of it, then by all means, go ahead. Um, and But where it got a little bit complex was a couple of times where I'd ask a question of an expert and they'd made a comment where they perhaps on reflection afterwards were unhappy about its political implications or uh, insinuations. And either that or also um, large corporations and being very careful around making sure that what they said tread the company line. Um, so getting them to review the material and give you the green light before I could then go and share it has, has taken far greater amount of time than than the recording process itself. Yeah, that's important, isn't it? And um, it's very much a case of working together to do that, but also respecting the fact that these are really busy people. So I guess that is a potential challenge. How have the students responded to the podcast? What do they think? So far, the feedback has been very positive. Um, so this semester, I have 43 students in my course. So it's not a particularly large course, but yet yeah, I've been very positive about it. And so far from looking at the number of people who've listened, um, it seems to be that, you know, there's generally that um, cohort of really passionate students that kind of do everything you ask of them. And I can kind of see that most of the podcasts have been listened to by that kind of core audience. But just even yesterday, I was emailed by um, someone from the American Passive House Association who had been put on to the podcast from um, the expert that I recorded in Australia, uh, just to say that they listened to the podcast and they found it really interesting and had forwarded a journal paper to me about something that they were doing in the US. So I was actually pretty surprised at that, um, that it had already kind of spread that far and, you know, that someone in the US was perhaps getting something interesting out of it. So that was that was good feedback. That's really cool. And that's been one of the surprises we've had from doing this series is that external and broad reach of the resources, especially if you use a public platform like SoundCloud or something, and the community input that comes back from that. So, you know, we do get emails and we get comments come to us via other other channels, social media and stuff. And it's really interesting to see how a, a resource that's produced for students can snowball and become so much more and you know people can contribute to that as a and co-produce the ideas and really maybe help to bring that into the course further down the line if you've got further new things that have come to light yeah that's true and i guess even what you find is um once that conversation happens and people listen to the material and they come back and they say you know what that would actually be interesting to talk about that and even a couple of the people that I interviewed said, you know, if you'd be happy to do another one, we'd really like to talk about this. So for me, my goal for this semester has just been to kind of get about 10 um, that were ready and that I could kind of make available concurrently with the lecture material. So I've tried to release those in line with each week kind of thing and make them available. But yeah, like I mentioned earlier there, with potential for, you know, building upon that kind of catalogue and having, you know, cover off different material for next semester and, and kind of build it. So it's, it becomes like a rich resource for students to, to look through, which is additional to, you know, you only have uh, 36 hours of contact time through a semester. Um, so really this is stuff that they can do in their own time. It's in a format that hopefully is easy for them to digest. They can do it whenever they want. So that's, that's the aim there. 
I'm quite excited now thinking about the possibility of getting students podcasting in future years as you start to develop your um, your collection. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, that's true. Once they've moved out into the field and maybe have some alumni coming along and, and talking mm. to them. And actually, when I set out to do this, one of the first places I canvassed the field and I'm very lucky that I've, I've got some um, former former colleagues or um, even f- former alumni of, of mine, so people that I went through uni with that are now um, not in the academic realm, but, you know, in the in the private sector and have reached quite high heights. So it actually was one of the easiest ways for me to to get these key people to come and chat. You know, if you have some connection with them, then they're far more likely to just say, um, by all means, yeah, no, I'll have a chat. Um, but instead, I should, be, I should say that one of the real positives I've taken from this experience has been the willingness um, for these experts to share their time and expertise with students. I was just blown away at the amount, you know, I was approaching CEOs and general managers and things, and they were more than happy to put aside an hour to sit down and record this material uh, and share stuff, share expertise with students. Um, and that was that was amazing. It is. And, you know, that's the perfect uh, place to finish our conversation, I think, because we're really grateful to you um, for taking your time today and sharing your expertise. So that's really cool. And it's a a really great project. And we will share um, some examples, perhaps, of your podcasts on the sister post on our blog when we publish um, the podcast today, our conversation today, and lots of accompanying resources. So thanks. It's been really great to talk to you and um, really, really great to see that podcasts are being used imaginatively in um, our teaching and learning in in science, engineering and health. So thanks for coming. No worries. Thanks a lot for for, um, inviting me in to have a chat and um, yeah, all the best with your own series here. This has been Open Classrooms, episode 24, recorded remotely across several Melbourne locations. 